Welcome to Mock 10 Sports. Glad you could join us for this January 19th, 2023 episode. Got a lot to cover in this episode. We had a great midweek action in the SEC on the hardwood. Also, preview this weekend's action as basketball as well. Got a good lineup on Saturday. Also, we'll talk about where Joey Brackets, Joe Lenardi, ESPN's bracketologist, has some of the SEC teams heading into the weekend. Just a little teaser. There's five teams he's got projected. A couple in the first uh, in, first out. We have another. Moving on to football, we have another new coordinator in the league, Dan Enos, who some would be familiar with. He's been at Arkansas before, at Alabama. He's coming back to Fayetteville to be the OC because if you missed it, Kendall Bryles heading to Fort Worth to be the offensive coordinator for the Horned Frogs. He has moved on. Dan Enos back in Fayetteville. Ole Miss gets their second quarterback commit of the week out of the portal. Spencer Sanders joins Walker Howard as the second quarterback from the portal that is heading to Oxford. Pretty loaded quarterback room right now for the Rebs when you think about Spencer Sanders, Jackson Dart, and Walker Howard. We'll discuss that. But first, I want to talk about a little bit of a new segment I'm going to do on every episode. It's going to be called Tip of the Cap. You probably heard me use that term, that phrase, a lot. Uh, It'll be a combination of the best things I've seen from the days between each episode. So what I'm saying, um, kind of like the best the best thing I've seen today or the best thing I've seen throughout the week. It's going to be that. As you know, we do two episodes a week, so you're going to have two different one of those each week. Whatever I see, usually from Friday through through Monday, I'll put on the Tuesday episode. Uh, and then Wednesday, obviously a little shorter clock. So what I'll really probably see a lot from those Wednesday SEC basketball, those uh, games at night, what I'll see. But tip of the cap, I want to lead it off. Tip of the cap of the day. Since uh, since Tuesday night, Wednesday night, since last time we did the episode, I'm going to go with Alabama basketball. Going on the road against a solid Vanderbilt team and getting a 78-66 win on Tuesday night. They are my tip of the cap of the day, of the episode, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just just the way they've handled the situation. Unfortunately, if you missed it, the, the capital murder charge that has been uh, issued for uh, Darius Miles with the shooting on campus of a young lady um on saturday night sunday morning just kind of their handling you could tell they weren't all there against vanderbilt at memorial coliseum apparently there's a lot of emotional breakdown after the game just a lot of relief guys that were close to a senior that had been on the team for three years even jerry stackhouse vanderbilt's coach was a very supportive post game crumpling up the stat sheet saying like i don't even know how alabama played my team wouldn't have played in this game if this were up to me uh, but very complimentary of Alabama. Nate Oates, if you missed his interview with Dari Noka post-game uh, in Nashville on the SEC Network, the SEC Now show they do, if you missed it, it's a good interview. You can probably go find it on Twitter, social media. I've re-liked it. I've tweeted it. If you want to go through my feed, you can find it. It's a, it's a good interview. Oates talking about how the team's handled it. Uh, you can tell he's really struggling with it, as most would, too. Uh, but very direct questions. I think they were fair. Some people were on Dari no- uh, Noka about his questions, but I, if you're NATO, you expected it, and I thought he handled it with class, made the University of Alabama proud, but that is my tip of the cap of the week, the Alabama basketball program in general, from NATO to all the way down to the last manager, just handling that situation, very tough, uh, I'm sure he's reached out for a lot of help, a lot of other coaches in the league, I'm sure have reached out, sending their condolences, but that's my tip of the cap of the team, tip of the cap of the day, Alabama basketball, moving on, 
Football, start off a little football. Dan Enos, we mentioned it in the intro, coming back to the SEC in Fayetteville, coming from Maryland, the Terrapin offense, ranked 55th in total offense last year, 67th in scoring offense, 40th in passing offense, and 82nd nationally in rushing offense. My main question for this, what does this mean for K.J. Jefferson? I'll be fair, I thought Dan Enos, um, when he was at Alabama, going back to his time, did a really good job improving Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts that year. I thought Jalen Hurts improved as a passer. Obviously didn't get the starting reps, but when he got time, because if because Alabama was up so big in a lot of those games before the last game of the regular season. If you remember, that was the year they lost to Clemson in the national championship game. Uh, one of the worst beatdowns I can remember from an Alabama team that they received in the Nick Saban era. That has to be the biggest beatdown for sure. But really the quarterback development, because we know K.J. Jefferson, good runner within a system under Kendall Bryle's system. He's not going to TCU. Not that anyone had thought that, but I reached out to some sources at TCU. They're not interested. He doesn't fit their style, really what they want to do from a running standpoint or a passing standpoint. And it's still going to be Sonny Dykes' offense to an extent, but bringing in Kendall Bryles to bring some new ideas for them. But back to Dan Enos in Arkansas. I think K.J. Jefferson is going to improve as a passer. I really do. Even Dan Enos, his first stint in Arkansas. This is his connection with Pittman. They were there with Brett Bielema in 14-15. I thought Brandon Allen was a pretty good quarterback for college. He developed him, got the bet, got the most out of that ability. I mean, he played in the league for a little bit as a backup, but Brandon Allen's a really good college quarterback in the SEC for Arkansas. Won some games for, for him, real game, a real gamer. I thought Dan Enos got the most out of the talent there with Brandon Allen. He got the most out of Talia Tungabailoa these last two years at Maryland with Mike Loxley. He did a really good job of developing Talia. So Dan Enos has a track record of developing quarterbacks, improving them, getting them to their ceiling. Like I said, between going back to Jalen Hurts, who had to improve from a passer at passing standpoint from 16, 17 to then 18 when he improved his last year at Bama. Tua, we talked about that. His brother Talia this past year. Like I said, even going back to his first stint in Arkansas with Brett Bielema uh, and his connection with Sam Pittman being the offensive line coach then. Brandon Allen, the Allen brothers, solid quarterbacks. I like this hire. Uh, they reacted very quick. How they even, the, the University of Arkansas, the athletics department, even beat TCU announcing Kendall Bryles there. So two, uh, touche to Arkansas. I thought Sam Pittman did a good job of getting his ducks in a row because they needed to hit on this because they got a young D.C. that's getting his first real SEC coordinating experience in Travis Williams, who I've worked with personally at Auburn and UCF before. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he transitions him and Marcus Woodson, who's coming in as the co-DC from Florida State. They work together at Auburn. You got more of a recruiter side over there, in my opinion. You got more of the recruiting. They're going to get some of the talent acquisition side over there. Good relationship guys that can build, have a really good relationship with their players. They're going to get some better defensive players than Arkansas has had on that side. X's and O's still a little bit unknown to me. But I think you getting a veteran guy on the offensive side to what you really needed. Proven guy needs to develop KJ Jefferson. I'll be interested to see what KJ Jefferson looks like at the end of the year next year. Really interested. I like the hire from Sam Pittman. Transition to another team in the same division, the SEC West. Ole Miss, just the best quarterback room in the country probably right now. I mean, right now. I would have said LSU probably about a week ago, but now it's now it's Ole Miss. Ole Miss is taking two quarterbacks this week in LSU transfer Walker Howard. And Oklahoma State's Spencer Sanders announced today. What does this mean? Now, just to break it down for you, this is I saw Kincaid Dent, who was the third string quarterback behind Jackson Dart and Luke Altmyer this past year. He's entered the portal. So the three quarterbacks they have coming in, they have a real shot, are gonna be obviously Jackson Dart, started the whole year this past year. 
Spencer Sanders announced today he's coming from Oklahoma State, left a starting position. And then Walker Howard, the LSU legacy, who was at LSU this past year from Lafayette, Louisiana. Dad played at LSU. He is coming in. I think he's really setting up to kind of be the guy in 24, in my opinion. That's the vibe I get just from looking at it from a 35,000-foot view. That is the vibe I get. And I'm going to be straight honest with you. Spencer Sanders is coming here to start. It's been promised to him. It's been promised to him. There's some parents. Jackson Dart not saying anything. Dad's not real fired up. Jackson Dart's father is not real fired up about this from people I hear this that, that would know, that people that would know. Jackson Dart's dad's not real fired up. And you can say, hey, well, he needs to compete. He wasn't great last year. I'm not saying Jackson Dart was Peyton Manning last year. I'm not saying he was Tom Brady. I'm not saying he was Cam Newton. I'm not saying any of that. And these guys who've won MVPs in the NFL. But he's a young guy that you could develop. Kiffin's not about the development right now. His actions are speaking. He's not about culture. He doesn't care. He's just talent acquisition. Bring it in. If they leave, they leave. I don't think he's a big uh, Jackson Dart guy. I think he wants Spencer Sanders to come in and win this job. But first thing I want to do, I want to pull up just kind of the stats we went through. I'm, obviously, I'm a, I'm a more uh, the eyeball test guy. But just looking at Dart, the stats, comparing Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders here from this year. I mean, for the season, Dart. We're talking Jackson Dart here. 62% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I mean, his best game this year from an offensive standpoint it had to be, I mean, you're looking at it, was Auburn. It was probably Auburn, Auburn or Texas A&M. I mean, at Auburn, he was not, he didn't really throw the ball a ton. I mean, from a 9 for 19, 130 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. A&M, he was 13 for 20 three touchdowns, zero interceptions. You would go with the Arkansas game, I mean, uh, the Texas A&M game. His last performance against Texas Tech in the same league Spencer Sanders is coming from, he went 25 for 41, which would be a 61% passing percentage and a two to three touchdown interception ratio. Two touchdowns to three interceptions. I'm not saying Jackson Dart was awesome or won Ole Miss games, but I don't think he lost them games in his youth get you excited because I think you see some raw ability. I like the kid out of high school, the senior year, went off on Utah, USC, as you know the story, signed him, transferred to Ole Miss. I think there's upside for this kid. It's going to be a sophomore. I mean, he, he, he's a sophomore. I mean, I don't think these guys leaving early for the draft. I don't really like this if I'm an Ole Miss fan. Yeah, it's going to get you some pubs, Spencer Sanders, but let's go to Spencer Sanders' stats. This year, the 2022 stats, he was uh, a 57% passer, 17 touchdowns to 9 interceptions. Um, his best game this year for sure was the Arkansas Pine Bluff game, 4 touchdowns. But in conference, his best game was probably Texas. He threw for 2 touchdowns and 1 interception, 59% completion percentage. But in his last game against Oklahoma, the guy was through 1 touchdown and 4 interceptions, man. This guy is... Yeah, he 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 he's a turnover machine, like for a lack of a better word. I mean, he really is. I mean, he's a turnover machine. Even going back to the twenty one season, I'm pulling it up right now. The twenty one season last year, he was a sixty one percent passing, sixty one percent passing percentage completion percentage. Sorry, and threw sixteen touchdowns to twelve interceptions. Like he's throwing nine plus interceptions a year. I mean. Yeah. does it move the floor up of your quarterback room? And when I say that, does it, it – he's better than your worst player in the room, obviously. Anybody can tell you that. My wife could tell you that. Yeah, Spencer Sanders is, the be, is, the, is better than the worst quarterback Ole Miss currently had in the room. It's probably Kincaid Dent, uh, and he's transferring. So, yeah, the floor has been raised in the Ole Miss room. But I have to tell you, as most people know, only one quarterback can play. 
I think this is how it's going to go. Spencer Sanders came here for a reason. He was promised something. He's going to get an NIL deal. He's coming to start. He for sure is coming to start. Kiffin wanted to replace Jackson Dart. Well, what it is, I don't know Jackson Dart's credit hours. I would assume right now he's probably not on track to graduate after the spring semester. And you got to think, too. Just a little tidbit here. They set these classes. These players in college athletics set their classes, make their schedule way in advance back in the fall semester with their academic advisor. I don't think Jackson Dart saw this coming. I bet he didn't, especially Spencer Sanders. Walker Howard, I bet he didn't care because he's like, you know what? This kid's probably setting up to be the starter for the 24-25 season. Maybe have a big year. I'm gone, et cetera. He probably wasn't too worried about that because he knows that he's one injury away from going down. Ole Miss has to protect himself too. But you bringing in... Spencer Sanders says, you're trying to replace me. And I'm all for competition. I really am. But I think this brings in a little bit of bad dynamic no one's thinking about. I'm thinking about culture. Big culture guy. I know in today's time, it's not really about that. We had Brian Niedermeyer on, former SEC assistant coach. I asked him the other day, do relationships mean as much as they used to? His answer, and I agree with him, no, it's about the money. Now, people aren't really all about it. It's more individualistic now. Like I said, you trying to pretend like college athletics is still amateurism and they're all about degree. the degree is like trying to put up a clothes hanger to hide what really goes on behind the scenes in college football during a Category 5 hurricane and thinking you're still going to cover that up and that uh, curtain, sheet, whatever you want to call it, is covering up what's really happening in college football. No, it, it's over. Like You see it. The players see it. The coaches see it. The families see it. The high school coaches see it. Everyone sees it. The staffers see it. It is what it is. Everybody's pretty much an individual. There's there's a few teams that have a good culture, and it's usually the top teams. But Ole Miss is not one of them. Again, Kiffin doesn't care about culture. I think he would tell you that. That's not a shot towards him. His actions speak it. I don't even know how he could deny it. I just think this is an interesting dynamic, and I'm telling you, Spencer Sanders is going to get at least – he's going to be the starter next year bearing some kind of injury. He is. So I just wanted to touch topic on this. Obviously, it's kind of breaking news. But honestly, I, I want to get in a little bit to this too. As we stand right now in the SEC, is Jackson Dart, before today, a top five returning quarterback in the league? Let's go through the other teams' leagues. Alabama, in the SEC West, who Ole Miss is striving to beat, who Lane really wants to beat, is looking like Ty Simpson's their guy right now? Question mark. Can't say he's better than Jackson Dart right now. Auburn, they were kind of in the Spencer Sanders sweepstakes. I think they try to roll with Robbie Ashford. I think he would fit well in Hugh Freeze's system. But still, question mark. New system. We've seen Robbie Ashford. He struggled some. Definitely, Jackson Dart had a better season than Robbie Ashford. Granted, Robbie Ashford got thrown into some tough spots, coaching change, but new system, we'll see, to be determined. Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson, new system now. A lot of things have changed. Uh, I mean, yeah, you probably give him the nod right now. LSU, Jaden Daniels. Yeah, give Jaden Daniels the nod. State with Will Rogers. It's a new system. Like, who knows? Like, there's a lot of new systems when you go through Arkansas, uh, Auburn, and you go through LSU. But Jaden Daniels, I'd give him the nod. Will Rogers, new system, probably give him the nod. Texas A&M, still too early with the freshman who's soon to be the sophomore, I'm assuming will start next year, Connor Wiegman. I, I still give Jackson Dart the edge. Georgia, question mark, most likely Carson Beck's the starter. Hadn't played a lot. Florida with Graham Mertz, please, no. South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, I'll give Spencer Rattler the edge. Tennessee, Joe Milton, definitely more upside. But is it a big improvement from Jackson Dart? I don't know. Vanderbilt. I mean, Kentucky. Question mark. Lost Will Levis. Vandy. Question mark. They lost Mike Wright. Missouri. Brady Wright. No. 
Like, so it's really going through it right now where I can definitively tell you, definitively tell you out of the 14 teams in the league who has better quarterback play right now, you can make an argument for K.J. Jefferson, Jaden Daniels, Will Rogers, and Spencer Rattler. And you could maybe have an argument with Joe Milton, but I'm going to give Jackson Dart the edge because he played a lot more. So that's four. I think he's a top five quarterback coming back, and some could make even top three, top four. I've argued with my man, Tyler Siski. He likes him a little higher than me, but I don't think you can deny he's definitely a top four, top five quarterback coming back in the SEC next year. You just replaced him. I think things are going to get a little heated, a little dicey. How does that How's that going to affect the locker room? You got to think about stuff like that. Look at Ole Miss. I think them taking so many transfers last year, and obviously throw in the distraction with Kiffin and how he handled the Auburn situation, was why they lost five out of their last six. You can't tell me it wasn't. But just wanted to touch on this. It'll be interesting as spring ball kicks off in Oxford. I'll be, man, I want to go to some practices. I'm that fired up. I want to go to some open scrimmages. I'm really fired up to see how this shakes out in Oxford. But again, Spencer Sanders. Heading to Oxford, left a starting position at Oklahoma State. Uh, usually a turnover-prone guy, has ability. Not saying that at all, but he's coming here to start, guys. This isn't he's just coming here to compete because he just left a starting job. Um, transitioning over to the old hardwood, baby. We had a good midweek action slate. I just talked about it. We'll start off with Tuesday night. Alabama, very impressed with them. Got the 78-66 win over Vanderbilt on Tuesday. Alabama improves to 6-0 in conference. Again, again, another double-digit win for the Tide in conference play. That is their sixth double-digit win in conference play. They've won every game. They're on track with their four teams ever. I saw the other day, two by Kentucky and one by Florida, I think, in 12 and 13. And Bama's the fourth team that has started 6-0 in conference and won every game by double digits in conference play. So I'm very impressed by the Tide, especially given the circumstances. I mean, Brandon Miller should be in the Naismith conversation. I know some already says he is, but a lot of it's just Zach Eady, Drew Timmy. I, that's all you really see. That's all you really, How Brandon Miller is not in it, I don't understand. He went for 30-10 and 10 his return to his hometown on Tuesday night. Remember, he's from Antioch, Tennessee, right outside the Nashville area. Tip of the cap for Bama, like I mentioned. They were the tip of the cap team of the of the episode as they, as a whole, came in and pretty much controlled the entire game against a solid Vanderbilt group. They looked sluggish at times. They were up 23 in the second half. Let Vanderbilt cut it to eight towards the end of the game. But you know what? It just kind of looked like they were tired mentally and a little physically. I saw Oates uh, postgame said before the game there wasn't a lot of emotions. But after, you could tell a lot of guys let some emotions out a lot on their shoulders. But them just handling the circumstances, big win against a solid Vanderbilt team. Kentucky got the much-needed 85-71 win in Rupp Arena. This was very much after a slow start to the game as Georgia controlled much of the entire first half. Oscar Seaway decided to put his Superman cape on and carry his team to victory, going for 37 points and 24 boards. You heard that right. 37 points and 24 boards Seaway went for. That is unbelievable. It ultimately came down to Kentucky just winning the second half, in my opinion. You could tell Georgia's game plan was to let Seaway have his. Granted, he got that. Uh, probably not to that extent, though, going 37 and 24. Georgia also went from shooting 55% from the field in the first half to a cool 30% in the last 20 minutes. Meanwhile, Kentucky took it up a notch a little bit offensively. Impressed by both teams, man. Mike White, I think, has done a good job with Georgia in his first year. They got a big one against Vandy on Saturday. Kentucky's also got a big one with Texas A&M undefeated in conference play. Texas A&M coming to town. Mm, that was a good game to watch, man. Kentucky, are they turning the corner? We'll find out Saturday with a tough, feisty A&M team coming in. 
Tennessee went to Humphrey Coliseum in Starkville, Mississippi. Second time they played Mississippi State in two weeks at the 70-59 win over Mississippi State. They were without Tyreek Key and Santiago Vescovi. State continues to stub its foot on the offensive end of the floor. It's hard to watch. On Tuesday, it was an inability to make free throws, and they turned the ball over. Unusual for State. They usually don't turn the ball over a ton. 16 times. This wasn't one of Tennessee's best games, but it was more of a survive game due to not having Key or Vescovi out there on the floor. Big win for Tennessee. But again, though, that's why I think Tennessee is one of those teams that people still are kind of like, uh, like, yeah, defense travels, and that's really good. It gives you a shot every night. Don't get me wrong. But also, come tournament play, when you play other good teams, you have to score. If Tennessee's one of those teams, man, if they're shooting the lights out, they're one of the best teams, top five in the country. When they go ice cold, they're probably outside the top 25. I know it's a strange statement to say, but they can go ice cold at times. Um, moving to the last game on Tuesday night, Ole Miss got the 70-58 win over South Carolina, the Rebs' first conference win. The Rebs got their first conference win, like I mentioned. They actually looked pretty comfortable on offense. They changed the lineup up. Matthew Morrell looked real comfortable. It's one of their best offensive outputs from the year by Kermit Davis and the Rebs. Also, how about the Rebels rebounding? Real impressed. Ten, they out-rebounded the Gamecocks by 10 rebounds. Does this get them going to some extent as they head into Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville on Saturday night? Or against a or Saturday against a real struggling Arkansas team. I don't expect Ole Miss to win that game. I mean, Arkansas can't lose that. That would be a season backbreaking loss against a team that's already struggling. But Ole Miss goes in there uh, with some confidence. Going to last night's action, Wednesday, Missouri gets the 79-76 win against Arkansas at home. As we talked, Must typically has his January slides. There's no way expected this, even after losing Trevon Brazil and uh, Nick Smith supposed to come back in February. But for the second consecutive game, Arkansas blew a double-digit lead on the road and lost. They did it on Saturday against Vanderbilt, too. The Hogs dominated on the boards but struggled to score inside the paint. This game was a little bit opposite of the game a week and a half ago. Missouri came out hot. Now, Arkansas didn't get up 17 like Missouri did in Fayetteville. But Arkansas came out firing, and uh, both home teams ended up pulling it out. But Missouri turned it on offensively in the second half. They struggled. To, uh, the Hogs struggled to score in the paint in the first half but dominated the boards. But at halftime, I didn't think Arkansas could keep up with their offensive numbers. I didn't. I really didn't. They were shooting like 50% from the field, and that's not normally like them. Defense has killed them the last two games. Turnovers, though, in this specific game ultimately killed the Razorbacks. They finished with 21 turnovers, and 14 of them came between their backcourt, their guards. We had a basketball game almost last three hours in this one. This one lasted forever because you know why? They had 56 fouls combined and both teams shot a combined 66 free throws between the two teams. I believe it's all that Missouri shot 17 free throws in the last five minutes to Arkansas's four. The officiating in the SEC has to be fixed. There's no consistency in this game. And I promise y'all as listeners, I'm going to try to get a guest on here soon. An SEC, like a former NCAA officiating uh, coordinator to try to get on here. No promises, but try to like give the fans kind of the landscape of what they are taught, what they are trained to do. Uh, because like my dad used to be a professional umpire or college umpire, professional umpire. I know different sport. It's baseball. But again, all these guys go to classes, conferences, schools, and they're taught what to call, what not to call. It'd be interesting to hear that from somebody who used to coordinate it at the NCAA level. I'm going to try to get that, no promises, but thought I'd just bring up the foul discrepancy in that game last night in Como. It, it, it was bad, made hard to watch at times. Granted, I love college basketball, love SEC basketball, so I'm going to watch, but just the casual observer puts it on to give Missouri-Arkansas a chance, kind of kills that. Uh, then t- moving to College Station, Texas A&M continued its winning streak, stays undefeated in league play after a 54-52 win over Florida. 
Second time they beat in Florida. A&M held Florida to 12 points in the first half as the Gators shot just 8% from the field. Florida came out in the second half and put up 40 in the second half. Texas A&M played a bit of a sloppy game throughout. Even Florida had a chance at the end to win as the Aggies did not do the things right to close out the game, even though they they ended up winning it. But they turned it over under their under their own basket, up two with two seconds left to give Florida a chance to tie or win the game at the end. But unfortunately, Myron Jones' three-point attempt uh, for Florida fell short. Credit to Buzz Williams, though, and Texas A&M and his team to continue to fight through, find ways to win in conference play after a slow start in non-conference play. The next two will be difficult, though, as the Ags pack up their bag, head to Lexington, Kentucky on a, for a Saturday matchup against the Cats. And then next week, they head to the jungle, Neville Arena in Auburn, Alabama, to play them to the tougher road environments. We'll see. We'll see for the Ags. I think next week, these next two games will be telling. That was the midweek wrap-up. Uh, for all the games this week in the SEC on the hardwood. Let's go to my power rankings here. I've given them to you once a week along with the current net rankings of these teams. I mean, Alabama sitting at one, number three in the net rankings. Coming in at number two, Tennessee. I don't know how Tennessee still ranked ahead of Alabama in the net rankings. I really don't. They have more losses. Alabama is the number one strength of schedule. I would like that to be explained to me. It's interesting. I think there is a gap between those two. And honestly, I may even put a gap between Alabama, gap, Tennessee, gap, Auburn. Uh, I mean, Auburn comes in at three. Sorry, I spoiled that for you. They sit at number 21 in the net rankings right now. Auburn, just one of those teams, I feel like they're quietly sitting there at 15 and three, five and one in conference. They ain't really played anybody in conference. They're starting to get their tough stretch coming up here. If you're Auburn, we'll pull up the schedule for you real fast. So, so far in conference play, if you haven't been keeping up, they got South Carolina this week or this weekend. We'll preview that in a bit. But in conference play, they've played Florida, which could have been a loss, at Georgia, Arkansas at home, at Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and at LSU, then at South Carolina. After that, it goes a little bit of a run. They get a tough A&M team at home. They go at West Virginia in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Solid Georgia team who's already beaten them at home. At Tennessee, at A&M, Alabama at home. Missouri, a solid Vandy team. They get one of the worst teams, Ole Miss. Then at Kentucky, at Alabama, and Tennessee at home in the year. So most of Auburn's easy games after this weekend, after they head to Columbia, South Carolina, are kind of over. I mean, they still get Ole Miss later in the year. And that's really it, man. I mean, Vanderbilt's a solid team, especially at Memorial. And they go there on February 18th. Not really... Auburn's kind of had the easier schedule on the front end, but, hey, they're improving. I think they're the third-best team in the league right now, sitting at 21 in the net rankings. A&M coming at fourth for me, 55th in the net rankings. Like I said, these next two games will be critical. Kentucky, looks like they're kind of kind of finding their way with their new lineup, sitting at 40 in the net rankings. We'll talk about where Joe Lenardi has them in his bra- recent bracketology here soon. Kentucky coming in at fifth. The Missouri Tigers coming in at sixth for me, sixth for me 49th in the net rankings. Georgia. Seventh coming in, uh, 96th in the net rankings. Coming in at eighth, the Vanderbilt Commodores, I think a solid team. I think Jerry Stackhouse does better than people give him credit for. Fortunately, though, they're at 92nd in the net rankings. Florida coming in at ninth, 51st in the net rankings. Coming in at 10th, the struggling Arkansas Razorbacks, but still sitting at a quality 27th in the net rankings. Crazy. Uh, 11th, Mississippi State coming in at 56th. They're still sitting there in the bubble, but really showing their true colors here, especially offensively as we get into conference play. But they're 56th in the net rankings. Ole Miss coming in at 12th at 102nd. LSU, who just a overall just very, 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 very soft team right now, in my opinion. And sorry, I meant, I meant to give you my little preview of the, or my review of the uh, 
Auburn-LSU game right here. So just talking about that, I mean, Auburn came in, didn't really shoot that great in that game. Um, but I think they got off to a good start. That's what Bruce Pearl was talking about from the Auburn-LSU game uh, last night. I mean, Auburn got up big, was up 11 at half. The LSU came out fighting, cut it to two. But then Auburn went on like a 17-2 to two run to kind of close it out. Auburn didn't shoot overly well, but they were over 45% from the field. And that's good enough to beat an LSU team that is just disastrous on the offensive side of the ball. Does not shoot well at all. And honestly, they're soft in the paint. They're, I'll call it what it is. Matt McMahon's squad right now is very soft. Auburn got a lot of second-chance points uh, that they should not be getting in easy layups where they weren't even contested. I mean, LSU is a soft team right now. It is what it is. And that's why they're 13th in my power rankings just above South Carolina, who's 14th. I mean, LSU is, after losing by 40 against Alabama and they were down 37 at half, LSU, very disappointing. We figured they would go on a little run here where they would struggle because their schedule is very tough. And I know they came in with only one loss to K-State, who's been very good, just came off the win against uh, Kansas at home the other night. But LSU, just very disappointed. It's not even really the lack of talent because he brought in a bunch of his Murray State guys, and you knew there would be some transitions, some struggles in conference play. Because, again, in April, this was a team that had nobody on the roster when Matt McMahon first took over. You knew they would struggle, but it's effort. It's effort and toughness for, for me right now, and they're not living up to that. After watching that, that last night and then watching them compete against Alabama last on Saturday and their lack of closing out on defense and rebounding, it was terrible. It, it's bad. It's bad. It, it really is. I mean, Matt McMahon should have a come-to-Jesus practice today because they are soft. They're really soft right now. And Tennessee comes down Saturday, and Tennessee's not soft. I, I will say that. Tennessee may struggle to shoot from the field, score a little bit at times, but you cannot say Tennessee is a soft team. Um so that's what I kind of got to say about that, the Auburn-LSU game. I'm sorry to not say that in the preview just a few minutes ago, but good thing we went right into the basketball power rankings. It kind of made sense to talk about LSU and Auburn there a little bit. I apologize about that. But then, like I said, South Carolina coming in at 14th, 281st in the net ranking. So, again, if you missed it, just to repeat it, I have Alabama at 1, Tennessee at 2, Auburn at 3, Texas A&M at 4, Kentucky at 5, Missouri at 6, Georgia at 7, Vanderbilt at 8, Florida at 9, Arkansas 10, Mississippi State 11, Ole Miss 12, LSU 13th, South Carolina 14th. Let's move to the bracketology here where Joe Lenardi has it updated as of this morning. Um, bracketology, five teams in total from the SEC. Alabama coming in as a one seed. Tennessee is a two seed. Auburn is a six seed. Arkansas is a six seed, but that's got to be trending down. Missouri nine seed. And he has Kentucky and Texas A&M are in the first four out. I don't know how Kentucky dropped from being the last team in yesterday to be in the first four out today. I'd have to go really look at that, but that's something I kind of noticed. And then Florida's considered, but I feel like they're a bit of a distance away. They needed one of those quad one wins. They needed a quad one win like they had the opportunity last night in College Station against A&M to get. But that's five teams right now. I, I agree with him. I also think Kentucky's going to probably get in, which will make it six. I really think that's where the SEC is probably going to be at six. I appreciate Joe updating his daily bracketology. It used to be once a week when I was growing up, kids. So just be uh, thankful he gives updates daily now with the with college basketball being really a sunday through saturday sport at this point um used to not be used to be tuesday wednesday and really just saturday and a little bit of sunday big tens always played a little bit on sunday but looking like in my opinion getting back to the sec from an ncaa tournament standpoint i'd be a betting man six teams get in alabama tennessee auburn arkansas better start winning some games they cannot lose games like Ole miss on saturday those are back breaking uh losses if those were to happen 
or back-breaking loss. Missouri, they're getting enough quality wins. I think they'll be in. He has them as a nine seed right now. And then I think Kentucky turns it on. I think A&M is going to have to go 11-7 and seven to get into the league. Their non-conference play was so bad. I heard another sports radio show talking. If Texas A&M is 9-9 nine and nine in league play, do they get in? No, they don't. The, the non-conference slate was so bad and they lost some of these games. You can't put them in. It would be a spitting image of last year. And that's saying they went on a hot tournament, SEC tournament run and made it to the finals. Uh, but no, I think A&M has to win 11 conference games to get in. I lean towards the SEC as a whole, just getting six. Let's move on to the weekend. Pulling up the schedule for this weekend, let's talk about it. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a good weekend of college basketball. Leading us off, the 11 a.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip-off, Ole Miss at Arkansas on ESPN2, a must-win for Arkansas, a good opportunity for Ole Miss. Uh, it, Arkansas, had, like I said, they have to win this game. That is what it is. Uh, 12 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Vanderbilt at Georgia on the SEC Network. Uh, it's an interesting game because I think Vanity's solid. Going to uh, a team – Going to play in Athens. Georgia hadn't lost a home game this year. It's one of the more interesting games in the league. Like to start, this is this is the best morning game right here. This noon tip, Vanderbilt at Georgia on the SEC Network. It's a big game for both teams. Georgia's still trying to chip away, hang on that bubble line. Vanderbilt, I think they're far away from that. They don't really have a chance. But I do like what Jerry Stackhouse and his team does. Liam Robbins, their best uh, front court player, out four to five weeks with a sprained ankle he had against uh, in practice the other day, he said on Monday. thought it was against Arkansas, but they said on the telecast when they were playing Alabama on Tuesday, it was in practice on Monday, unfortunately. Tough break for the Commodores. Kind of like Georgia in this one. Uh, Texas A&M, we got the 1 p.m. Central Standard tip-off. Texas A&M at Kentucky. Probably one of the top two biggest games of the day. Yet on ESPN, Texas A&M, big opportunity. Like I said, if they can split these next two, going at Kentucky and at Auburn, that would be big. Probably starts at Rupp this week. What Kentucky do we get? Do we get another motivated Kentucky team? Does Oscar Shibwe put up another solid performance? I mean, we can't expect him to go for 37 points and 24 boards again. That's possible. We can't expect that. But does the new lineup give these cats some confidence? I think they're playing with some confidence. I like Kentucky in this one. 2.30, Central, 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip on the SEC Network. Auburn at South Carolina. South Carolina is the worst team in the league. Auburn should get this win before they really get into the crunch of their schedule. Um, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone. Tennessee at LSU on ESPN right after the Kentucky game. Like I said, LSU is a soft team. Tennessee is one of the more physical teams in the league. I like Tennessee in this one for sure. 5 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Alabama at Missouri SEC Network game. This is the second game for me of out of the SEC games this, this week. I would rank it first, Texas A&M at Kentucky as being the first one, Alabama at Missouri, and then Vandy at Georgia. Is the top three games of the weekend. Alabama going back to Alabama and Missouri. Missouri just is a smaller lineup. Kobe Brown's one of their bigger guys. It just happens to be from Alabama. Uh, coincidentally, but a 6-8 guy, not a very big guy. Alabama should have the rebounding edge. I think if Alabama comes out and shoots just moderately to just an average to above average, they should win this game. The only thing it scares you a little bit about for Alabama in this game, and it's an advantage for Missouri, Missouri forces the most turnovers, most steals in the country at home. At home. Their only loss this year was a blowout loss to uh, Kansas came into town. Grady Dick, Bill Self put it on them. Um, but I like Alabama's matchup. If they can just shoot Above average, they should win this game because they have such a size and length advantage over Missouri. But Missouri's a veteran team. It's feisty. They play hard. Just if you can get them in their half-court sets, you can slow them down. So it'll be, if I'm Missouri, I'm trying to put as much pressure on Alabama. Maybe you can try to speed them up. 
uh, at the beginning of the game, press them, three-quarter court press. See what Jaden Bradley, Javon Quinterly are kind of going to do that day. Are they going to turn it over? Because Alabama in non-conference play was averaging about 18 turnovers a game. Since conference play, they've had a couple of nights where they rolled off 7, 9, 12, 13 turnovers, which I've told people all year. If Alabama only turns the ball over 12 to 14 times in a game, just even between that, just 12, 13, or 14 turnovers, you're really not going to beat them. I would go nine times out of ten, you're not. If they get it to single digits, it's over. You're not going to beat them. But I give Alabama the edge really because of the size, length, and I think the rebound advantage where Arkansas killed Missouri uh, on the boards but took, but did not take advantage in the paint from a point standpoint. And then finally, the last game of the night, 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip-off, Florida at Mississippi State, heading to Humphrey Coliseum, SEC Network. Both teams could really use a win here. I like Florida, though. Mississippi State, I do not trust the offense. They're really struggling. It's either they're shooting well from the field or they're not shooting free throws well or vice versa. Uh, they didn't really, they don't really turn the ball over that much, but they did the other night against Tennessee, a Tennessee team that was missing Tyreek Key and Santiago Vescovi. Florida, I think, has more weapons. They struggle to score at times, too. Though. They only had 12 points last night against uh, Texas A&M and College Station at halftime. 12 points at half. That's awful. you got to – the offense has to roll through Colin Castleton. I don't think Todd Golden really likes having that kind of big down there. He probably won't recruit another one, but he inherited one of the best players in the league. So you have to adapt to your personnel. You have to get him touches. He's one of your better players in the league. There's not a lot of big guys like that that can finesse and create their own shots like they used to. Oscar Shibway's not that guy. Colin Castleton in. I'm telling you, Colin Castleton could cause Alabama some struggles when they play here in a couple weeks. Not saying Florida's going to beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, but Alabama struggles against some of those finesse uh, bigs that can create their own shots. And I'm using Drew Timmy as kind of an example, and he's an exception, one of the best players in the country. But again, Alabama has struggled against those. But again, there's not a lot of guys out there that can create their own shot. I like Florida in this one. I think Colin Castleton will be the difference in this one. It'll be a good matchup, though. Colin Castleton versus Tolu Smith. I think Tolu Smith gets in a little foul trouble. Florida ultimately wins that game. But that is the lineup this weekend. We got seven great games. I'm real excited for it. Next weekend, we got SEC Big 12 Challenge. That'll be fun to preview as well. But again, I told you we'd have a great, fun, in-depth episode here. We brought a new segment, Tip of the Cap. Looking forward to bringing you all that twice a week. We talked about a lot of stuff from football, new coordinators, transfer portal, new quarterbacks, Ole Miss with the best quarterback room in the country, how would that affect internally in the locker room. We gave the midweek review from SEC basketball in the hardwood and gave you the preview for this weekend. I look forward to talking to you again on Tuesday. You have a great week and you enjoy these games as much as I have, or I will. And I appreciate you joining us for this episode on Mock 10 Sports. Keep following us on Mock 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.